DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in our Utah football insider, Frank Dolce. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. You know, Frank, I got an uh, right off the top of the bat, uh, show here, uh, interview, I should say. You always hear that, uh, take what the defense gives you. Well, if I'm a defensive corner, I don't give them anything. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's a, uh, it is an awkward phrase in, uh, in athletics. I, I don't know of one defensive, uh, well, I mean... <laughs> I guess if I guess you could say, like, um, if you're playing, let's just say, for example, you're playing Oregon State, and you know Oregon State runs the ball pretty well, then you're going to do everything you can do to stop the the run. You're going to, you know, load the box and put a bunch of people at the line of scrimmage, and you're going to be you're going to be difficult to run against, but you're going to give up the pass. You're going to sacrifice the passing game and say, we're not going to let you run, but if you beat us with the pass, then, you know, okay, we'll, we'll have to live with that. We're going to sell out against the run. So maybe you can make an argument that the defense is giving the pass in order to stop the uh, Oregon State's most important phase. Yeah, but then that would tick me off. You're telling me that you don't think we're good enough to run the ball against you? <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I, I'm generally I don't think a defense is in a position to want to give anything to an offense. So Exactly, precisely. I've always wondered that, and you're the football expert, not me. And yet, despite the fact they don't want to give anything. Kyle Whittingham at his weekly press conference brought up the fact that Utah's now got a string of four straight games where the offense has piled up at least 450 yards of total offense, in some cases a few more than that, obviously. Are you beginning to think of Utah as an offensive juggernaut now capable of both running and passing the ball? Well, it is a it is a very balanced attack. I I know that, you know, we've We've all been through these Utah football teams in the Coach Whittingham era where you just didn't have any faith in one phase of the game. Mostly it's the passing game on the offensive side. And you just had to rely on even, – even, and everybody knew it. You had to rely on the run game. Even in the face of an eight-man or nine-man box, I mean, pe- people would just load up against Utah in the run game, and, and Utah still – figured out a way to run the football and um and and so those were you know those were interesting times to to watch games but it feels like now there this is a much more balanced uh much more creative it's easy to be creative i guess when you have this kind of balance but much more creative offensive football team for utah and several times in in critical situations, Utah like like third down situations, fourth down situations, Utah's been able to convert and pick up first downs not only with the running game, 
but by utilizing the passing game and not just like throwing a screen pass or throwing the ball to the to a running back out of the backfield, but going downfield to a tight end or to a wide receiver to convert on those in those scenarios. So, I would say this this Utah offense this year has evolved into a very balanced attack, an offensive attack that you could say you could rely on both phases, the pass and the run. I have absolutely no doubt for multitude of reasons. One is that Utah's emerging, and the other is the division stinks. That my doubt is, I'm doubtless, basically, that Utah is going to win the South. I have zero doubt on this. I would bet everything that DJ owns that they're going to win the South. And that's a lot <laughs> of stuff to bet. Wow. I don't know how you put. I don't know how you take an accounting of all that stuff. I mean, exactly. That's a lot I mean, of I, stuff. yeah. I started two years ago, and I'm halfway done. Yeah. Well, you should hire a professional. Exactly. Yeah. That's precisely. A, Plus, he's all the stuff he's got, like in shoeboxes up in the attic. I mean, come on. He keeps stuff from the government too. Yeah. He does feel <laughs> like a conspiracy sort of guy to me. No comment. <laughs> well. Uh, I, you know, I think Utah's in a very good position in the South. There's no question about it. And if Utah plays to their potential, like we saw, you know, kind of against USC and a half against Washington State and and kind of a half against Oregon State and you know, pretty good game against UCLA. If if Utah plays up to their potential. When we've seen them be be really good, then I I I think they're very that's a that's a tough out. Like I think they can go through the rest of the schedule, and and not get beaten. Uh, but we you know it's it is still you know it's why you play the games I guess they there's there still is a team that's shown a tendency at times to not be very good at the line of scrimmage to be loose with the football and. And if those things occur, then, you know, Utah's going to put themselves in, in a difficult situation. So, I, I, oh, the other thing, I hate, I hate mentioning this other thing, and so I'm just going to kind of graze over it, but, it, you know, you, the, the team has to stay healthy, especially at key, in, you know, in key position groups. They're already, they're already thin at the offensive line, and, you know, um, that's, a, that's a position group that just is going to have to, stay as healthy as possible through the rest of the season and um you know i think they're i think they're thin significantly thin and experienced at the quarterback position so when, when you talk about depth so health is going to be a, a major consideration i think going through the rest of the year but if utah stays healthy if they play up to their potential then i think they come out of the south as well i think they come out right on top in the south well, they ought to come out on top of the South because Arizona's got a massive losing streak and Colorado has only beaten Arizona and won their money game. And that leaves a Stanford team that gives up 200 yards a game to everybody who wants to run the ball. I mean, they don't give up 200 yards to USC and to Washington State because they don't want to run the ball. But SC still ran for 185 yards. I'm trying to figure out, aside from the turnovers, how Utah could screw up this game. And you turn it over four times, you can lose to anybody. Yeah. So that's there. Yeah. But aside from that... Everybody's running for 200 yards on Stanford if they just try. And Utah's obviously going to try. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, didn't didn't we just see 
uh, Arizona State do that? Like, we, we thought Arizona State was going to be a pretty good football team, and then all of a sudden they're – did they have four or five turnovers in that game? I mean, they're, they're – which, which quarter? <laughs> yeah, that's just the thing. That is exactly the thing. I mean, you, you go into these football games and um, – and if all goes right, if all goes well, then you know you should you shouldn't have a problem. You shouldn't you should come out on top. And then, and then three, three turnovers later, four turnovers later, you're on the wrong side of it. So, you know, I don't I don't see that. I don't expect that to happen. I don't see that happening. But it sure seems to come out at odd times in the, in the football season, especially in the in the Pac-12. So. I I I'm with you. Like I I'm I'm I have high expectations of Utah football right now, based on the, what they've done, especially on the offensive side. Uh, I still am curious about you know if a team really wants to line up and try and run the ball against Utah, how what kind of success they're going to have. So so that's a, that's something to consider. But I th- this is a football team that that has a legitimate shot going through the rest of the year without taking a loss going you know winning the south going into the championship game there's i don't think there's any question about that the only question is if they can maintain this high level play um on a regular basis i mean they you might have a bad quarter a bad series whatever here and there if they can maintain possession of the football and most importantly if they can stay healthy i think that's i think that's a real critical issue I dare you to refute the following statement. Cam Rising is the best quarterback in a Pac-12. Let me, I'm thinking over all of the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Well, we know he's better than Charlie Brewer. (laughs) Well, uh, I would put him right at the top. I mean, I think there are guys who have high potential in the Pac-12, I like Garbers. Uh, I like both Garbers. That you know, that's interesting. I like both Garbers. I like the Garbers at Cal. I think he's. I think he's very good. Although he's been, you know, a roller coaster ride this year. But I think he, his upside's very good. I like the Garbers we just saw at UCLA. In fact, I might even make the argument that in some ways that UCLA offense is more efficient with Garbers <laughs> at the quarterback position. So. Um, I I like Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he's you know he's very athletic. He does a lot of things really well, and he's you know he's a he's a he's a tough guy. Uh, I've never been high on him w- winning a lot of football games, like being able to rely on him to win a lot of football games. So I I don't put I wouldn't put him even healthy at the top. Um, Jaden Daniels. Uh, I think he has. I, I think I'd put him kind of in the same class as Thompson Robinson. Uh, Brown at Oregon is a same kind of guy, like high, very high potential, but um, it it's streaky. Um, so as I'm looking at the kid at Stanford, I think he's above average. Too young. I think he's he's young. Yeah, I think he's above average. Uh, as I yeah, as I guess as I look across, the, you know, at the uh, the the kid Nolan at uh, Oregon State. What about Jaden um, Delora had, at Washington State? That's what we're building up to. And Jaden Delora, he's he was the last guy I was going to get to, but I think Jaden Delora is probably the 
the top, um, and he seems to become become has become more consistent. So I think I would put those two those two guys, Delora and Cam Rising, as my one and two in the in the Pac-12 right now. Cam Rising has been super. I think he's been super consistent. Wow, he's Very rising up the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And and I don't like. There have been people who are talking about like, well, he's a, you know he's a game manager and he only completes only threw the ball twenty something times against UCLA and this and that. And I don't I don't buy into any of that stuff. I mean, efficiency is efficiency at the quarterback position. And Utah did have the run game going, and so they should lean on the running game. And then they just used the passing game perfectly to keep UCLA off balance. So, I mean, I don't think a quarterback has to throw the ball 35 times a game um, in order to be considered a top-tier quarterback. If your quarterback is completing 65-plus percent of his passes, no turnovers, moving the ball downfield – and utilizing a great running game, I don't know why you wouldn't put that quarterback right on. I mean, that's a, to me, that's kind of exactly the guy you want. Is that guy who's going to make those kinds of plays and be very consistent. You got any doubts about the defense now? Yeah. I mean, I like this. I like this defense. And at times, I think the defense is real, has been really, really good. But there are times when you just scratch your head. Like, Utah knew what they had to do defensively against Oregon State. Everybody knows what you have to do defensively against Oregon State. And so you knew that. You practiced for it. You prepared for it. Everybody had their assignments. And then you went into the game, and then you just couldn't do it. So that's, I think that's a concern. And uh, I, I think, to me, that is, is more of not, like not a physical ability issue, um, it was more of an issue of experience, like being able to go back into your bag of game experience and figure out how to turn the tide on a team that is just beating you up at the line of scrimmage. And that's what happened with Utah against Oregon State. They got beaten up at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And so, you know, a more experienced team might be able to, to say, wait a second, wait a second, if we – if I'm, if I can do this, if I can just do this, then I can, I can stop the bleeding. But they never, you know, they, they never were able to do that. And so, with a team that's very talented, but at times has, you know, eight underclassmen, mostly freshmen, on the field. I think that experience is a big factor. So the Oregon State game was good, like in in terms of gaining that experience. I think Utah utilized that against UCLA, uh, and we'll see how they how they go through the rest of the season. But I, I yeah I, I I mean we're only we're only two weeks out from a from a ground attack at Oregon State that was overwhelming. And so has you has Utah corrected all those issues in the run game? Maybe hopefully. Are the you know the the other thing is they're not going to face another running team like like uh, Oregon State, and maybe UCLA was going to be as close as they were going to get, and they handled that pretty well. So, But, yeah, I still, I still think there are question marks about this Utah football team, defensively. He's Frank Dolce. You want to tell him about the uh, disaster in high school football down there? That's his old uh, neighborhood. He, he'd what be you, appalled by this. 
You don't need to tell me about it. Of course, I followed up on all of that. I, I follow up on all of that stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> Inglewood, Morningside. I mean, we, we, we know that. We know that area, PK, and yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a bitter rivalry. And, um, and you know, back, back when I was growing up in that area, um, Inglewood, Morningside, always super talented teams. They could never really figure out how to get on track. Like, they, they were competitive but didn't necessarily rise to the playoff level in those years but that that is that those are those are guys that super super talented football teams always super talented football teams it's a little distressing that you know well the way that game turned out i mean that's just that's ridiculous listen I mean, the chart says when you're up by 104 points you're supposed to go for two you got to do what the chart says remember remember i mean the only analogy i have with that with utah football is when the chart said that you should Onside kick against Wyoming when you're up by 43, <laughs> I mean, and, and the response, the response from was it Cowboy Joe? I mean that hey, was Hey, everybody classic. wants to be ranked number one. <laughs> classic, yes. So you know, regardless of what the chart says, but I think it's even more kind of distressing, like that you have six. What is it? Six or seven of those players on the Inglewood football team are are not. From the school boundaries, yeah, like said, seven that have gone on to that are that have already made commitments to play uh, college football. That, that's just disgraceful. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, like what is this? Is it IMG now? <laughs> IMG SoCal? What is going? What's going on here? That's that seems. If I was Morningside, I wouldn't have lined up to play defense. I don't think they did. I would, but I would have just at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I would have put all my guys. To the far left, yeah. just if, if you want two points, here have it. Yeah, yeah. If you really need, if you really want that two points, yeah. here you go. You can have it. That's I. I just that's that doesn't to me. That just doesn't speak to what athletics. I know athletics is funny these days. It's re, kind of really funny these days, but there still should be this core, this foundational stuff about athletics and fair play, and you know. Um, being able to go in, in into a competitive atmosphere like that, p- play a game, play your heart out, and still, you know, congratulate the other team, shake hands after the game, and go on your way, and sportsmanship, and all that stuff. All of those good things, all of the lessons that you want to teach your kids, that you say, you know, these are lessons you can you learn on the field that you can't learn in the classroom. All of that stuff just goes out the window when some knucklehead. Hasn't you know goes through an experience like this? It just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't live up to what athletics and what sports should be and should be all about. Yep. Frank, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Man, it's always great to talk to you guys. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend. Frank Dolce, Utah Insider and Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, coming up at 9 o'clock. And we got tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings tonight. Game tips at 7 o'clock. We're giving away tickets at 8.30, right on the other side of this break. And again at 9.30, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. How broken is the Pac-12? Is it broken, or is it just bent right now? I think it's bent. 
it's got a problem where you just can't get somebody to elevate. Look like it was going to be Oregon. It's not. Look like at times it could be Utah. It's not. If the season ended right now, there isn't a single Pac-12 team I would make an argument for to put them into the college football playoffs. Like, I love watching Pac-12 games because you never know what's going to happen and games go down to the wire and it's entertaining. But boy, is it bad for business in terms of George Golovkov and the conference office going, oh my gosh, we're going to screw ourselves out of another opportunity in the college football playoff. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. The Jazz and the Kings are playing tonight, 7 o'clock. We got tickets now and again at 9.30. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. And win tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings tonight. Sacramento coming in at 500. They're 3-3. Three and 3-1 three. Three and one on the road this year. Just beaten in Dallas. Easy win. Easy W. Yeah. Easy W is as far as the eye can see. I don't know. I don't look at the schedule, so I don't know. Going off to Atlanta, Orlando, and Miami. Not in that order. Back out on the road starting Thursday. Yeah, it's good to get that one out of the way early. Seem they always do that early in the season. Uh, Atlanta can be tough. And Miami can be tough too. Yeah, Miami's so, off to a good start. Uh, so uh, I, I, I can't forecast those games. Who knows who's going to be available and whatever. But as far as tonight, yeah, I'm expecting. Ought to be a them. W. Right, beat these teams. They all add up the same. Take take care of the business that you're able to take care of. With, I don't want to say ease, but I guess it would be relative ease as far as that goes. I mean, Sacramento, I don't think they're dog meat, no. I think they've got some players that I like. I mean, this Mitchell kid the other day was really fierce uh, in guarding Mitchell, our Mitchell. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's got a rep yeah. now, so got yeah. young guys are going to come after him and right. see what they can do. If I were Sacramento, I would let it play out a little bit instead of changing coaches again. It's like, what, Walton's third or fourth year, so it's time in Sacramento. They get the uh, trigger finger there <laughs> to, to pull it and, and start over again for the 41st time or whatever it might be. Uh, so it looks like they've got a little bit of a nucleus. The Bagley thing has been an embarrassment. They take him second, and now he's getting a bunch of DMPs. I mean, that's shocking to just be three years removed from the draft, and the number two pick is, boy, you better be going 82-0, and zero, or you really sucked in your evaluation of him. You just can't blow that pick. My gosh, that's way too high. But yet it happens, and it's not all that unusual that there are picks that are very high. The number one pick has been blown more than once. It's probably a little bit unusual, at least not even a rotational player. That's shocking to see someone who literally would only be a senior in college. And you whiff. If he played in the 60s, he'd be going up against Lou Alcindor. Lou <laughs> <laughs> Alcindor played four years in college. Uh, shocking. They all did back then, obviously, and most of them anyway. And so you blew that. Wow, that that's just that's a major setback, particularly when Doncic was 
available, and he was being debated as the number one pick, at, at least just go with the public pressure. Okay, if he's debated at number one pick and Phoenix goes with the bigger guy in Aiden, well, we'll just take the, take him number two then. <laughs> Seems logical. Because then, well, you can't blame us. Everybody said he should have been the number one, so we figured, what the heck, take him at number two, but they didn't even take him at number two. And you gift draft him for Dallas. Yeah. I mean, as good as Doncic is, and he's awesome, at best, he could be the second best player drafted third ever in the history of the NBA. Michael Jordan. <laughs> the best number three pick ever, and that's not changing anytime soon. But Doncic is a really good pick at three. You know, a superstar, bona fide superstar already at such a young, young age. And and Sacramento blew that. And it's not like Dallas is winning a whole lot with Doncic. Uh, they, they seem that some of these teams is just... It'd be interesting because, you know, I'm looking and seeing Portland. And we, we always have on the television on the ESPN where... Old Steve Smith is running his mouth about whatever, and I don't say that negatively. He's my hero. and um, But one of the things they were discussing, should Damian Lillard force a trade to the 76ers? And obviously, they got the Simmons thing going on there and see what happens. And the point I'm making is you can be consistently bad, which Sacramento has, for several years, right? Undeniable. You can't argue Second yeah. longest streak of not going to the playoffs in pro sports. Longest in the NBA at 15 years. Just unbelievable. Second only to the Seattle Mariners. Amazing. That's yeah. a really, really bad list to be on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think baseball's tougher because they just have more numbers. And with they don't have as many teams in. There you go. So there's multiple. Yeah. yeah. Um, in basketball, with just a f- one or two players can make a significant difference. You take a look at Dallas. They've been in the playoffs every time, largely because of Doncic. But at the same time, you take, like, the reason why I brought up uh, Lillard is you bring up Portland, and I swear, Portland and now Dallas, every morning their alarms wake up to Sonny and Sure, I got you, babe. In the famous lines from Groundhog Day, because I look at both of these teams, they're better than Dallas, but in a sense, they're like Dallas in that you've got a Hall of Fame player. I don't think anybody would deny Lillard and Doncic are on the track to go, but you're going nowhere. They're going to the Hall of Fame. But you as a team and a franchise you're, right now, you're, you're going stuck, nowhere. You're stuck as a first round out. How do you get top four, win a playoff series? Maybe set yourself up to win two. And it's tough because the West is good, but nonetheless, you got a Hall of Fame player. I mean, Jazz fans have felt that frustration. You think the team is good. You look at the win total. They look like they're good, but they go on the first round. And it gets frustrating year after year. Yeah, but I, How I, do you don't, win I don't think series? the Jazz have been in that situation now for a while. Not... Well, because they have, they had the back-to-back first-round losses. But they had, but the dude was young, and even Gobert, but the dude I'm talking about, Donnie Basketball, and then getting into good movie lines, Gobert. They were young. <laughs> the dude abides, right? They were. You knew that. All right, we're just getting started. Doncic is young. Granted, he's definitely young. Lillard is not young NBA wise, no. right? But where are they going? As far as we know where they want to go, Everybody but needs, it doesn't look like they're going to get right. there. Everybody needs players around them. 
So what do you do? As frustrating as it was last summer, and it was, to see the Jazz go out like that, up 2-0, you know, you're looking like you got a great shot to go to the conference final. And Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. Yeah, and then Leonard gets hurt. I remember we were sitting here in the morning thinking, oh, man, this is done now, and then they don't get it done. Uh, Maybe maybe I'm looking at it through a little rose-colored glasses, but I see, like, they haven't tapped out on where they are, where I look at Portland and Dallas, seems to me they've tapped out this group. And is that just a is that a crummy position to be in? Because what do you sell? Hope. Where's no the way. hope though? Yeah, I know. And that is what pro sports one team gets to sell the championship. Even college. Like, and everybody else is selling hope. But I mean And so if you I think, peaked, I think college too. If you peaked and you're going down the other side of the mountain but I don't know that these teams. Yeah, I think you're right about college. You know, college football is big time, and you are selling hope. And, yeah. and that's probably why Patterson is out. He's not out for the 20 years of accomplishments. They're great. But the Rose Bowl's in the rearview mirror. It's three and a half seasons of 500 football. They're not feeling the hope. So you change the coach. And I guess I guess I can understand that more in the collegiate level than I can at the pro level. Cause, and, and Portland did change the coach. And yeah. Dallas did too, for that matter. They both did. <clears throat> right? Kid and uh, Chauncey yes. Phillips. Yep. Ex-players taking over. But where are they going? I, I just, I don't see... Dallas looks like they need a big personnel move. Portland, I don't think there's a big personnel move possible. It doesn't seem obvious. I don't know. They're talking about this morning. Should he go to the 76ers? Do you shake it up? Do you let him go? Well, you start over. I mean, nobody wants to say that in Portland, but if you move Damian Lillard, you're starting over. But maybe it's time to start over. He's not at the end, but he's close enough to the end. You don't have that much time to make moves. There are no obvious moves. You hesitate a couple more years, he will be at the end. A six-foot guard, okay, he's going to be good in the early 30s, but you know, Memphis had to shake it up, right? And this is why Conley ends up in Utah. They weren't going any further. Now, if you put good players around Mike Conley, you put Rudy Gobert behind him and Donovan Mitchell next to him, Conley can do good things. The only game they lost this year is when Conley didn't play. I mean, Conley's obviously having an impact, but you can't put him in Memphis and say, you're the guy, do it. That's not realistic. No, but six-footer in his mid-30s. But I don't think Conley compares to Lillard, though. Agreed. I'll, I'll go with you there, but is Lillard going to take them any farther than he already has? Can he even get them back to where they were in a conference final, the way the West is stacked? Not right now. Well, that's the and same thing 30, that— He's 31 now, so I don't know how many more—if not right now, how many more years are there? Two or three. In which case, okay, who can you move him and move him for? Yeah, but you could ask that same question of Mitchell, for that matter. Is he good enough to take you? Because he hasn't gotten where Lillard's gotten. On the Dallas roster, no. And you're right, he hasn't gotten where Lillard got to a conference final. But on this roster, with Conley next to him, and with Rudy Gobert and going down the roster after that, yeah, maybe he can. Maybe he can't, that's why we're all watching. There's certainly not a slam dunk, so you got to throw the maybe in there. I mean, we can put on the rose-colored glasses, but you got to throw in the maybe. Good chance. But you're saying there's a chance. No, well, there but, is a chance. But there's more than a chance. Yes. It's, 
not a long shot unless he got a drastic injury. But it's interesting how you get out of wherever you are. Because unless you're winning it all, you want more. And of course, you win it all, you want it again. And how do you get there? And if you're looking at Sacramento, the opponent tonight, I like a little of their nucleus. You know, and I'm not talking about winning at all by any stretch. I'm not going to talk about contending. Well, in, in Kings, it's just to have a, have a winning season. I, I mean, think when we've got a shot. When we compare it, like the Mariners have had winning seasons and not made the playoffs. The Kings haven't had a winning season. That's the difference of well, that, that 10 or 16. that'll get you in. 10 or 16 playoff teams, right. Yeah. Usually it will. There's occasional outliers like Hornacek's Suns team that won 48 or whatever it was yeah, and yeah. missed. But that's rare. Right. In basketball, generally, if you get over 500, you're in. Yeah. I think they can get there. Now, that that's their goal. Portland and Dallas have superseded that goal, and they're looking at trying to do more. But if you're in team management, how do you go about that? It's We all know what you want, but how do you do it? You know, how did the Jazz get to this point where they view themselves, rightly so, as a contender? Even though... They've yet to get the conference finals. Can you be a contender without having gone to the conference finals? I think you can, because that's what Phoenix did last year. We were surprised by it. But they did it. But they got the and they obviously they took it a step beyond that. Into the NBA finals. And got to the to the final. And Well, that's where you go. The West is so deep. The West is so deep. I think I don't think you think it is. that's overplayed now. Yeah, yeah, it's faded. Deep. What? Because the Clippers and the and the Nuggets have injuries, and the Lakers have turned the whole roster over, so the depth isn't what it was. I don't look at the West as being this juggernaut of a conference, one of a kind. Blah 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 blah. I, I just there's a bunch of decent teams, but you know, but it's not even where it was two years ago. Right, because you could say, well, it's deep, so it's hard. No, I would say it is the Warriors of a few years ago. That was deep. Because what's the difference if you got 10 average teams or good teams versus one super team? You're not going to get there. That's the Rockets. They were good. 65 wins. I would rather have it. get past them. This way than the other way. You like it better when there's like five, five or six teams well, with a 10, 15, or 20% chance of winning it all? I personally don't care. But I'm talking about you from more competition. I don't care. Yeah. No, I don't care. You I, take the Super No, I, I'm talking from management standpoint. From their perspective, if I'm Justin Zanuck, mm-hmm. I'd rather have the West the way it's constructed now oh, yeah, yeah, versus yeah, yeah. Right, yes. the Warriors of right, a few right. years back. You signed Durant. How are we supposed to— I'm talking from management, not as, fa- not right, as a no, fan. I totally get that, yes. I get where you're going now. I was lost, but I got it. Because I think I got a better chance. Yeah. I think most people agree with that. There's competition now as opposed to a super team putting a ceiling on everybody. Where do we have to be seated to avoid those guys as long as possible? Because they're obviously the best. And it's the same thing that the Utes find themselves in this year. The South stinks. Cool. You're going to be the best. Doesn't mean you stink, but the South stinks. It does. You can't argue that. And believe me, I've been in this conference 
thousand times longer than you, so I don't take any pride saying this, uh, but it stinks. It's not a good division. It's one of the weaker ones. You can go back and when the Utes first came into the league in 11, it stunk then, and I think it's on par with its stinkness now. I guess the best of both would be the conference or the division is really good, and you're the best of the division. Big Ten East. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And those SEC ones. Uh, but at the same time, you know, what does it matter? Uh, the ACC has stunk, but Clemson's playing for the big prize in recent years more often than not. As long as you're good, and if you can get it, if the Utes get to the Rose Bowl, who cares? If they're running out of that tunnel on that gorgeous January 1st day in uh, Pasadena, none of it really matters. You're doing it. You know, unless you went 5-4, and four, I guess. Uh, They're not going to do that, though. Right? Yeah, that that I don't see that. I don't see, maybe even six and three. If they went six and three this year, that would be disappointing. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. I don't think they are. But it the, would be disappointing. There's no doubt it would be disappointing. The idea of trying to emerge from where you are to where you want to go just seems like that task is so difficult. How do you get that job done? Well, for a lot of NBA teams, it has been find the diamond in the rough. It used to be find your way to the best spot in the lottery, and man, the Sixers worked hard at that. But the Jazz hit on a mid-first-round pick and a late-first-round pick, so that's why they are where they are. That's the foundation of the franchise. Denver hit on a second-round pick. That's why they are where they are. The Suns are an interesting deal. That's a combination of... The Paul trade and a couple draft picks. Now, man, they had a lot of bites at the apple. Well, the, they were in they Sacramento. They got every draft pick. Right. They were in Sacramento territory. They got a lot of high draft picks and hit on a few of them. But yet, Booker was like 13, 14. Right. Somewhere in there. He went right after Lyles. So he not wasn't, in slam dunk territory. No, not at all. No. But you get a one, and you get a decent player, and you hit on a mid-first round pick. And you make a trade for a guy who was overpriced and or undervalued. So is it somewhat just arbitrary? There are multiple paths to get there, and maybe you do catch breaks along the way. I think you always catch a break. It, I mean, if, if you draft number one the year Tim Duncan is coming out, you're lucky you won the lottery that year because everybody would have taken Duncan number one. But Scott Layden said a long time ago about Stockton, he said, we were lucky. Now, people would say, oh, they identified Stockton in the middle of the first round, which they did. But they didn't identify him as a first ballot Hall of Famer because, as Scott Layden himself said, if I knew he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, I should have mortgaged the farm, traded whoever it took to move up and get him earlier. I shouldn't have waited for him to fall to us. Now, it worked out. They fell to him. But that's where the luck part comes in. They were lucky they fell to him. Hmm. So you can always say there's a little bit of luck. T- yeah. The Bulls were lucky Jordan stayed on the board till number three. They were smart to take him at number three. They're lucky he was on the board at number three. They're lucky that other people were stupid? Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah, but he could have had injuries. Well, anybody could have had injuries, so everybody's lucky there too. I mean, some guys did. Bill Walton won two NBA titles, and people thought he was on track yeah, to win but, three, but, four, but or five, you, but he had injuries. You don't know that. 
You, you can't know that. There's but he a, did have injuries. You could, you could, you could lose your incentive. You could get fat like Sean Kemp. Uh, any number of things. DJ and PK at 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, coming up in 15 minutes. The Cougars, all set up now. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. The thing that really jumps out at me at, at Cam Rising, we're only, what, five, six games into him playing period in college football. Yeah. I mean, and I know he's mature. I know he's he's been around a while. But he still doesn't have game experience, and he's playing, and and he's reacting like he's a, thir- a third-year starter. And the guys are rallying around him. I mean, and, and they go like like he's really he's their guy, and he really does have that it factor to his his game. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran weekdays from three to seven on 97.5-1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com. DJ PK in the morning in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. One thing to watch for in the Jazz game tonight, PK, the Jazz are going to start shooting the three better at some point here. They're shooting 32.5%. That is bottom half, almost bottom third of the league. And yeah, I think we all think they're better the than that. <laughs> you can break down off the bounce or the catch and shoot. <laughs> Corner three above the break. Top of the three straight away. Thirty-two and a half percent. That's a low number. Above the break, I don't understand the break. break sure, of you what? do. It's the line. The three-point line comes straight up the sideline, and then it breaks and it curves towards the top, the, beyond the, top of the, the key. It's a continuous line. There's no break. It starts it's a in a different corner, angle, and it, it goes changes. all the way over. It, it does. doesn't break. The it does. angle, oh, the angle changes. changes, but it doesn't break. That's called the break. But it's wrong. It's I don't not. care. You can call it's, whatever you want. It's, it's a on. continuous line. Quick it goes all the way around Quick above the break. Speak plain English, my own. And you're the one who brought it up anyway. I'm telling you, all three pointers. I know I brought it up. 32.5%. They're better than that. They're 5-1 and one and they're shooting the three poorly. Because it bugs me every time Locke says it, and it bugs me every well, time he says the cup. Because if it was a cup, we'd have to call timeout and have to go reach down and pull the ball. Because if I got a cup of coffee, and I know you folk don't have that, but if I do, the coffee does not go through the bottom. It stays there. The cup has to have a bottom by definition. Do you ever put? We went golfing, you and I, on your birthday yesterday, and hit the ball into the cup, and it's right there. It doesn't just keep going and going and going. No, it's right there. The cup has to have a bottom. The cup can't be bottomless. You'd spill that hot hot copy hot cup of coffee on yourself, and you'd have to sue McDonald's. No, if I held it out, if I extended my arm, if my wingspan was seven point three. Yuck, well, I'm three-putting yesterday on number 10. Don't put it above the pin, he tells me. I immediately put it above the pin. While I'm three-putting, this lady's walking by with her mom, and her mom's probably, I don't know, 80, 85, 90, whatever. And PK announces from about 70 yards away that it's my birthday. I was on the green. She was like 20 feet. She walked over, and she smiled and waved. Wish this man a happy birthday. And when they announced next up, I went in and told, well, I go in there to pay, and the guy says, oh, man, PK, hey, and you're playing with DJ. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, and it's it's his birthday today, too, so when you announce that we're up, give him a shout out. 
And he, he did. did. <laughs> I like it. Well done to that pro shop. And the next group, one guy was waiting. He found it hilarious. He was entirely too entertained by it. And PK wallowed in it. I'm very I sad I wallowed. I you care. <laughs> You're the man. I like to recognize the old partner on his birthday. What do you mean wallowing in it? It was your day. Tell the birthday, the other birthday story about it because you'd done that to your wife. That was funny. Yes, a couple years ago, she had a big birthday, and it was on Saturday, was her birthday, and her birthday's in June, and we had a big thing, we went up to Wasatch, and so there, yesterday it wasn't too crowded, it's getting late in the year, obviously, well, in June, on a Saturday in Wasatch, it's packed, right? And so I tell the guy, I said, hey, uh, it's my wife's, wife's birthday, so when you call us up, can you say uh, something along the line, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, Okay. Man, dude, man, you are grouchy. <laughs> but then? <laughs> and then when he calls us, he goes on for like five minutes. He's all sunshine. The lovely Mrs. <laughs> Kinnahan. We would like to extend a birthday greeting as she approaches the first tee. <laughs> I love that happened to you, though, because you got, you got the Jersey attitude from the guy at the counter when it didn't matter because she couldn't hear. When she can hear, it's just all sunshine and roses. Oh, totally, it's, He yes. sells it. But you, you just got Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> and then we had a cool party for her at the homestead. And it was right, it was, so it was June before last. So it's right in the height of the pandemic. Nobody's been outside or mm-hmm. doing anything. So I'm, I only invited a select few that I knew would want to go because I didn't know about the pandemic. And we had it outside, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and everybody was spaced. Uh, because it was, you know, still everyone. Right. Not, not that it's gone now by any stretch, but nevertheless, it was even more heightened awareness. But so I, I told them to get there around six, and um, so we get to, we get done about five thirty. And oh man, I got to kill time. So we go and approach her. I said, "Hey, pick yourself something out. You know, it's your birthday." And she gets something. I look at my watch. Ooh, it's still. No, no, go back. Look, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Keep <laughs> she, going. She, she's got no idea. Thinking, wow, man, what's what's up with the <laughs> tightwad boy here? I better take advantage of this, right? So she buys two or three more things, and then we you got that long driveway that you pull in. Mm-hmm. Off the whatever that street is yeah. for the homestead, and they're all right to the right, literally right to the right, and they're all set up. And my daughter had it catered; she handled the whole thing, and they got balloons and everything. Well, you can see. So <laughs> we go in, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't want her to see it, right? I want her to walk upon it. And I said, I point to the left. Oh, look at that over there! Mm-hmm. So vulnerable. She just looks. <laughs> Totally misses the whole thing. Look at you go. <laughs> right? <laughs> so she told you, right. And so we park over by where you would play golf, and I say, let's go check out the course. Let's just see what they've done. So instead of walking through the parking lot, we walk all the way around that path and come all the way. And she, she told me later, thinking, what is he doing? <laughs> Why aren't we, because we checked in earlier in the day, yeah. and I made sure that I got the space that I wanted and everything, and I had it all planned out. And then we're walking up, and... The th- when she knew it was a surprise, you know, the first thing she saw that that told her, this is for me, our dog. No, oh, really? The dog was the giveaway? <laughs> yes. Because I, I was the, thinking, like, daughter, balloons, no, what would it be? It was no, the dog. It was the dog. She saw the dog there and then put two and two together because she wasn't, it was total surprise, so she wasn't expecting any humans that she would have known. Right. So she saw people, even though she obviously knew all of them, and... But hadn't put it together, and she saw the dog, and then when she saw the dog, she started crying. Ah, there it is. (laughs) 
When we come back, Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next. The Cougars set up to roll. Stay with us.